Hey, this is Harrison. I'm the pastor of Kingdom Church. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. We hope it inspires you and encourages you. The title of today's message is Irresistible. Enjoy. How's everyone doing this morning? Fantastic. If it's your first time at Kingdom Church, I just want to welcome you guys. Uh, We're so happy that you could be here, so happy that you could check this place out. If you were here at our launch last week, can I just hear you real quick? Who was here last week? Man, last week uh, was amazing. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, just move forward and pretend like it didn't happen last week. It was an amazing, uh, amazing launch. 50 people uh, made a commitment to Christ uh, last week, which I think is, is awesome. That's why we do this. That's why we planted uh, this church. So I just want to welcome you guys. I hope you feel welcome. If you could just turn to the person next to you and uh, just say, welcome, welcome to Kingdom Church. Hopefully our transition next week between, uh, between song and me is a little smoother. This table is falling apart. Um, if you guys have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke, uh, the book of Luke this morning, Luke chapter 11. I want to read a verse that's going to bring us uh, on the journey I want us to go this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 11 says this, it says, Woe to you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourself have not entered, and you have hindered those who are entering. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something that he might say. I, uh, I had a realization this week. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but I've realized that we as people love when things are free. We love free things. Anyone not love free things? I've never heard a single person say, man, like I really wish Costco would just stop giving out free samples. I don't know about you guys, but I plan my life around when I go to Costco, I make sure it's times when the samples are out. Like, I'm not going there unless the samples are out because I love when things are free. I love when things are given, uh, given to me. Uh, a few years ago, uh, my brother's girlfriend, uh, Daniela, she worked at a place called Walkbox. And uh, for this particular Walkbox, she was there for the grand opening. And what Walkbox was doing, they were giving one free walk box to every single customer that came that day. And so naturally when my family found out, we literally planned our whole day around this walk box grand opening. If there's one thing that we love more than anything else is free food. And so like we literally had a group chat like coordinating the times we're going to be at walk box so we can all be there at the same time so we can all make sure we get that free walk box. And uh, so Christy, uh, my wife, how about that announcement? You guys like that announcement? That's, come on. Gosh, that girl's good looking. So we get there to walk box uh, on this day, and uh, the line is literally out the door. From, from the start to the, the line is out the door, because... Who doesn't love free food? And so as we get there and uh, we start talking to people who are online, we find out that literally from 9 that morning until 5 
whenever that deal was going on, the line was out the door. I'm like, who's getting walk box early in the morning? And so we're waiting in this line, and eventually, like, we were there first. My family eventually got there. But as we were in this line, we began to see people that we knew, like family friends. And so we went over and talked to them. We're like, how would you guys get here? They're like, oh, your mom invited us. <laughs> as if this was some kind of party she was hosting at Walkbox. And <laughs> the line was so long. We were in line for about 30 minutes. And it was crazy because that whole time, no one thought to themselves, like, why not drive five minutes to the walk box down the road and wait in line for three minutes and get food? Because that would have cost $8. No one thought for a second to go next door to Panda Express that has better food because you would have had to pay. We as people love when things are free. We love when things are given to us. And as I thought about that line that day, I was thinking to myself, you know, I don't think my mom was the only person that day that invited someone. In fact, I think the reason that line was long all day was there was a group of people, small group, that were inviting their friends. They were inviting their family. And they're like, oh, you hear about Walkbox? Yeah. And uh, the line was literally out the door just because people were excited. And uh, as I was thinking about just the excitement that day that was at Walkbox, I asked myself, what brought them to Walkbox that day. And I think what brought them there was literally that Walkbox was giving people something for free. And so people were excited about it. And that really got me thinking about church. You see, friends, I'm of the belief that church, that God, that Jesus is the best news that there ever was, that there ever is, and that there ever will be. That's my belief. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that there's churches throughout Canada, every single weekend, thousands of seats remain empty. When I speak to people that don't go to church, a lot of them, most of them, really never even see a need for church, a need for God. Because if they saw a need, chances are they would end up in a place like this. And so it really got me thinking, how can Walkbox, a place that is selling chicken and rice, have lineups out the door when we have churches with empty seats? You see, I believe that we have something to offer that is a lot better than what Walkbox has to offer. I'm sorry for the Walkbox fans out there. Walkbox fans, their food is mediocre at best. <laughs> we have something to offer Jesus has something to offer. And yet I wonder, how come our churches don't have lineups out the door? You see, when Jesus was on earth, and, and I touched on this last week a little bit, when he was on earth, he was constantly surrounded by people. In fact, Jesus was so irresistible that people lined up in the droves just to be near him. Now, what irresistible means, it means it's too powerful to resist. That's what the word irresistible means. And there was something about Jesus that was too powerful for the people to resist. And I think a part of it was the message that he was sharing. And so if Jesus had this message that was irresistible and there's this churches now that aren't filling up, I begin to ask myself, perhaps the reason is that we're not sharing the messages that Jesus has been sharing. You see, friends, at Kingdom Church, we are a church dedicated 
we exist for people that don't go to church. And so we want people that don't go to church to feel like there is something here that is worth their time, that is worth the effort that it takes to come to church. And I believe that Jesus is worth it because there is something that Jesus can do in our lives that no one else can do. There is something that Jesus can do that no one else can do. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to begin to unpack just what that irresistible message of Jesus, what it really was. What did Jesus really say when he was on earth? Who was he really? You see, I think a lot of people have a picture that may not be the same picture as the one that is painted in the Bible. So this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. Uh, the book of Luke is found in the New Testament. Uh, for those of you guys who are not too familiar with the Bible, the New Testament is the second half of the Bible. Luke, uh, actually who wrote the Gospel of Luke, he was a doctor. And uh, Luke, he literally went around interviewing people, getting eyewitness accounts, trying uh, to paint a picture of who Jesus was. And all of those interviews, all of those uh, memories that people gave him, that's how we got the Gospel of Luke. And so Luke tells a story, and in his story, we're kind of picking it up right in the middle of the action, and Jesus has been teaching and preaching all day. And Jesus has been teaching and preaching so good that people in the crowd are literally shouting things out. They're shouting, God bless the womb that came from you and the breast that nursed you. Can you imagine I was preaching so good, someone was like, God bless the breast that nursed you. You guys thought the Bible was boring. That's in there, read it. Someone shouts to Jesus. Don't shout it for me, my mom's here, it's weird. But he's preaching so good, the crowd uh, is enthralled and he's surrounded by people because there's something about Jesus that was irresistible. There was something about him that people invited their friends. They had to come back. They wanted to come back. They could not come into the presence of Jesus and not want someone else to know about him. And so what I want to do this morning is I want us to figure out what exactly was Jesus talking about? What about him was so irresistible? So Luke chapter 11, uh, in verse 37 it says, when Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. And so he went in and reclined at the table. People in those days, they didn't sit. They literally reclined. So think Jesus is chilling. He's laying down at the table of this Pharisee that invited him. It says, well, the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. So we need to understand something in order to understand what's happening in this story. A Pharisee was a religious person. What does a religious person mean? It just means someone that was ultra, ultra religious. So if you're trying to paint a picture, just think of like the most Christian person you know. Like these guys know the Bible. Uh, in fact, Pharisees not only knew the Bible, they had the Bible memorized. And so these were the ultra of the ultra, the religious of the religious, the elite of the elite. And Pharisees were often marked by their outward ceremonies, the things that they did in which other people would see them do, and they would know, hey, that's a religious person. That's a man of God. That's what a Pharisee was, a religious person. And if we read the Bible, uh, specifically the New Testament, Jesus is often surrounded by these religious people. And so what happens in this story is it says the Pharisee noticed that Jesus did not first wash his hands before his meal. Some of y'all like, Jesus, you nasty. But what this meant 
You see, the Pharisees, the religious people, had this thing called a ceremonial hand washing. And literally what it was, before they ate, they would pour water on their hands. Three times on one hand, three times on the other hand. And after they did that, they would recite a prayer in Hebrew. I actually learned the Hebrew prayer this week. Do you guys want to hear it? No. You want a preview of it? No, no. No. My Hebrews are a little bit rusty. But after, after they had washed their hands with the ceremony, they had this elaborate ritual, this elaborate prayer, and they would do it before they ever ate a meal. And so the Bible says that the Pharisees were shocked because Jesus did not do this ritual. So the picture we have painted here is the Pharisees are beginning to dab their hands with the water, and Jesus is chowing down on pita. He's like dipping it in the hummus. And these Pharisees are looking at him, and they're like, Jesus is like, this is awkward. And so some of you guys thinking, like, was Jesus being rude? A little bit. But you see, what Jesus wanted to do, and a lot of what Jesus does when he's on earth, if you read the New Testament, he likes to prove points. In fact, one of the best things, one of the main things that Jesus does is he wants to change people's perceptions of who God is. You see, for the Pharisees, and not really just the Pharisees, any of, any of the followers of God, they had this understanding and they had this belief that their acceptance from God was based upon their outward rituals. So they were accepted by God based on what they wore, based on how they dressed, based on what they acted like, based on what they ate. God literally accepted them and, and found them with more favor if they washed their hands. And so what Jesus wanted to do here is Jesus wanted to change the perception of the people. Because the people of that day had began to believe that your righteousness was boiled down to your behavior. How you acted was how God thought of you. Jesus wanted to begin to change this perception. Because I believe that Jesus knew that what you believe determines how you respond. What you believe determines how you respond. You see, for the people in that day, the reason they were so legalistic upon their rituals and what they were doing is because they believed that the only way that God would accept them was if they acted a certain way. I was speaking this morning at the start, and I asked the question, I said, how come the message of Jesus is no longer irresistible like it was when he was on earth? How come churches, instead of being irresistible, they're now resistible? You see, I wonder if a lot of us in church world, we've sort of gone backwards. I wonder if a lot of us have, have developed that belief that God accepts us based on how we act, based on how we dress, based on what we eat. That's what the people of this time believed, and that is what Jesus wanted to change. So I want us to ask us a question this morning. I want you to think about and ponder it. What do you think about God? Now, it doesn't matter if you believe in God or not, whether you've been in church or out of church. Just, just think about it for a second. What do you believe about God? If there is a God, what do you believe about him? 
And what I want to suggest this morning is a lot of us have a picture of God that is contrary to the picture that I believe that Jesus paints of who God is. You see, Jesus came to earth to paint an accurate picture of who God was and who God is because people had the wrong idea. You see, I told you at Kingdom Church, we exist for people that don't go to church. And so what we want to do at this church is we want to begin to paint the accurate picture of who the Bible says that Jesus is. We believe, based on surveys and data, that at least 45% of people in Edmonton and surrounding area uh, don't believe in a God, in the sense that they don't affiliate with, with Christianity. And what that means is upwards of 600,000 people in all the areas, St. Albert, Edmonton, they don't know who God is. Some of them don't believe there is a God. And I can't help but wonder if that number is so high because we in churches, we as Christians, have, a, have done a poor job of portraying who Jesus actually is. And so what Jesus wants to do is Jesus wants to begin to change our perception because what we believe will determine how we respond. I want you guys to think for a second about just dumb things that you believed as a kid. How many of you guys believed as a kid, like if you ate a seed, that the watermelon would grow in your stomach? Can any of you guys believe that for a bit? She still believes it. Right? How many of you guys still believe that? Anyone? All right, we're good. I don't have to take you outside and teach you something. Um, but that's, that's just one example. How many of you guys heard this one? When you chew gum, if you swallow it, it stays in your body for seven years. How many of you guys heard that? How many of you guys think it's true? A few people. Uh, that's a myth. Gum, uh, nothing stays in your body that long that you eat. Uh, the truth in, in, in that story is that our bodies cannot digest gum, so it literally goes straight through us, but it doesn't stay in us. You see, a lot of us, we grew up with that belief, but I'll ask you guys this. How many of you guys swallow gum ever? Okay, we got a few sickos in the room. For the most part, none of us are going to swallow gum. And I think a part of that comes back to this belief that we had that gum stays in your body for a long time. And so whether the belief is true or not does not matter. Do you guys see what I'm saying? Because if you believe something, it'll determine how you respond. And I think this is important to know because we live in a time and a place where people are fed information all the time. And as a great politician once said, there's a lot of fake news out there. Great is subjective to not my opinion. I'm, you guys create your own opinions. I don't know how many of you guys have people on your Facebook uh, accounts that post things constantly. Any of you guys have that, like one or two people that they're always just sharing and posting things, and you're like, who even uses Facebook anymore? Um, I have this guy, uh, this friend on my Facebook. He's not my actual friend, just one of 967 that I call my friends on Facebook. I haven't talked to him in 10 years. Uh, but he's always posting things. And uh, when, when he's posting things, like at first, I was like, I'm not so sure if any of these things are really even real. So here's an example of something that he might post. Kreej, if you have it uh, here. I don't know if you guys saw this, but he posted something like this. It took me 19 years to figure out that news stands for notable events, weather, and sports. How many of you guys knew that news stood for that? 
No one. Guess what? It doesn't stand for that. But this particular image has been retweeted 30,000 times because people's minds are being blown. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's what news stood for? I had no idea. And so this particular gentleman, he's always posting things like this. And I'm very questionable by nature, but there was something that put me over the edge. One day he posted something about the Bible. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, no you didn't. And I don't even need to tell you what he posted, but all it said, the beginning said this. The Old Testament was written in Greek. I have a minor in biblical languages. You guys can clap your hands later, I guess. (laughs) The Old Testament was certainly not written in Greek. It was written in Hebrew, originally speaking. Um, And so as soon as he posted that, uh, I didn't have to read the rest because I knew it was incorrect. But he's posting this thing, and everyone is out there seeing it and sharing it. And so then I really just, I got into a mode where I went back and I started looking at all the things that he was posting to fact-check him, fact-check him. You guys are like, how much time did you have on your hand this summer? I was unemployed. <laughs> Come on now. And I, I literally started fact-checking a bunch of the stuff that he was posting And over half of the things like this that he was sharing were false. They were not true. And and, and I would go back and I would kind of look at like not just how how much he shared because he ain't that cool. He got like one like per, per share. Pray for him. But I would look back to the original picture and that thing was literally being shared hundreds of thousands of times. And it was false. It was not true. Some of you guys are looking at your Facebook, like your life right now, and you're like, oh my gosh, I believe everything that comes across my feed. Like my life is, whoa. I wonder, friends, because what we believe determines and affects how we behave. I wonder if there are things in our lives that we are believing that are not true. I wonder what some of you in this room believe about yourself that someone told you years ago that are not true is not true. How many people in this room believe that they're not pretty enough, that they're not smart enough, that they're not good enough, that they're not funny enough, that they're not enough based on a lie that somebody told them? You see, what we believe is so important to our lives because they affect our behavior. And all the time I see people in life that is living out a behavior based on what they think of themselves that is not true. I wonder, friends, the picture of God that we have in our life, I wonder where it came from. Maybe it came from church. Maybe it came from outside the church. But I wonder what that picture of God is for you. And the question that I'm wondering is, Is it an accurate picture? The Jesus you know, is that the Jesus that walked on the earth 2,000 years ago? Because I am of the firm belief that if us as a people, us as a church, know the accurate picture of who Jesus is, the picture of what Jesus has done for you and me, it will change the way that we see him. It'll change the way this church functions. 
Friends, last week was spectacular. It was awesome. There were so many people that came out. You know what God told me this morning? He told me, you ain't seen nothing yet. Come on. He said, that's just the beginning. You haven't seen anything yet because when every single person in this church, every single person in this room understands the full and beautiful and irresistible picture of who Jesus is, you will not be able to resist inviting someone to church. You will not be able to resist telling someone about Jesus because there is no one like him. No one. No one can do what he can do for you in your life. And I promise you, and you guys are amazing because you guys are OG Kingdom Church. But the day when we have lineups out the door, and it's going to happen, we're going to have lines that make Walkbox blush. <laughs> when it happens, it will happen because we are a church where every single one of us knows who Jesus is and he knows what he's done for our life. And so I want us to continue to un unlock this picture of who Jesus is. And so Jesus is chowing down, he's, he's got his pita, he's got his hummus, and uh, no one says anything, but Jesus has this way, if you read the Bible, of answering people's thoughts. They don't need to say anything, he just answers. The Lord said to him, he says, now you Pharisees clean the outside of your cup and your dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who make the outside make the inside also? But now... As for what is inside you, be generous to the poor and everything in you will be clean. Woe to you, Pharisees. And woe is kind of like, yo. Yo, you Pharisees. Because you give God a tenth of your mint and rue and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and love. You neglect the justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. You see, Jesus had this radical way of, of saying things, and he had this radical way of just being. And one of the most radical things that Jesus did while he was on earth is he was able to sum up all the laws, all the rules. You see, the Pharisees had 613 laws in which they followed to a T. 612, you're not worthy. 613. Jesus was able to boil down all those laws, all those rules, all those regulations, in essence, the whole law, into one word. Love. He boiled it down into love. You see, the message that Jesus preached the reason he was irresistible, the reason that the crowds were gathered around him in the hundreds. When he died, the crowds turned to thousands and tens of thousands and millions. The reason being is because those people understood Jesus' message, and it was simple. It was all about love. It was one word. It was love. He's saying everything that we do, our generosity, it has to flow out of love. If you're washing your hands, but you don't love people, you've missed the point. If you're watching what you eat, but you don't have love and you don't have justice, you're missing the point. And so Jesus had this way of, of offending people. 
This was offensive to the Pharisees because their life was based around these laws. It was based around these rules. People knew them. They're like, man, that's a Pharisee. Look how he washes his hands. And That was a little bit of the prayer. Look at those guys. But Jesus boils it down to one word. He says love. And you see this message was personified on the cross. And that's why the, the movement of Jesus, it was, it was just getting started when he was on earth. But after he left, it was personified because people were able to see love actually. They were able to see what love looks like. And Jesus, when he died on the cross and he took their sins, they were able to see just what love actually was. You see, love involves sacrifice. And so I believe that so many people don't have that picture of God anymore. They don't have that picture of Jesus where he's all about love. In fact, some churches reject it. It can't be all about love. What about? And so we asked the question, how did, how did this, this message of love that Jesus had, how has it been distorted over time? How have we brought back laws? Because a lot of people think that the church is just about rules. God is all about following laws. How did this come back? I believe it's simple, friends. Legislation is easier than love. Legislation is easier than love. What that means is it's easier to follow rules than it is to love people, than it is to love other people. It's easy to watch what you eat. It really is. You see, the Pharisees had, had this list of foods, and, and it was clean and unclean. If they ate it, they'd be unclean. If they, if they didn't eat it, they were clean. It's easy to avoid foods, but it's harder to love someone that doesn't love you. That's a lot harder, but that's what Jesus calls for. And you see, the reason that, that we slowly bring back these rules and regulations that people think that God is all about those things is because it's harder for us as a people to love than it is to follow rules. And so people think this is what Christianity is all about. And I believe there's a generation of people now, what they have said is they said churches are places where there is no love. I can go find love anywhere. That's what you hear. I can be a good person. I don't need church. I can love. I don't need God. And I agree wholeheartedly. You don't need God to love someone. You don't need God to love people. You don't need God to be kind. You don't need church to be kind. But you see, that's, there's just a different type of love that God is talking about. You see, we live in a world where everyone says, man, let's just love everyone. We love everyone. We accept everyone. We're all homies. We're all good. And we think that we live in a world of love, but we really don't. We live in a world where people love each other if it's convenient. We love each other if you don't disagree with each other. But you see, that's not the picture of love that Jesus painted. You see, in Luke chapter 6, in an earlier sermon, Jesus was saying, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? In other words, he's like, it's easy to love someone that loves you. How hard is that if someone's nice to you to be kind to them? He's like, it's easy to be generous with someone if they're giving you something. But look what he says. He says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward in heaven will be very great. And you will be truly acting as children of the Most High God. 
It's easy to love when it's being reciprocated. But you see, the type of love that Jesus calls for is a different type of love. It's a love that is not always reciprocated. It's a, it's a reckless kind of love. You see, and, and so we think that we live in a world where, man, we all accept each other. We all love each other. I already talked about Facebook, but go to the Facebook comments for five minutes and look at someone who disagrees with someone else. It becomes World War III on that thing. If that's you guys in those comments, stop. I told you that we don't need God to love. We don't need God to be kind to people. That's, that's if, they, if they love you as well. If they're, if they're kind to you. But the type of love that, that only Jesus can give us, the type of love that we can only have when it flows through him is that love where, where we can give it to someone if they don't give it to us. Try to love someone that hates you. Just try it by yourself and see how it goes. I don't know about you guys, but one thing that I absolutely hate doing, I hate apologizing because I'm never wrong. I hate apologizing, but one thing, especially this summer, is that God over and over again, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's people on my team, God has called me to apologize even when I don't feel like I'm in the wrong. And I'll tell you something, because of my ego, because of my, my, myself, that is literally the hardest thing in the world. And without God, I would not do it. I wouldn't even attempt to do it. But God calls us to love sacrificially. Forgive those who hurt you. Turn the other cheek is what he says. And so friends, we're talking about the irresistible message of Jesus. How did that message flow? How did that message spread? It was because his people, his followers, that's how they lived. They loved every single person they came in contact with. They were They would literally die for Jesus. Friends, the message that Jesus is trying to get us back to, what's that picture? That picture is a picture of love. It's so simple, yet we, we try to make it so complicated. But when Jesus was saying these things, uh, he offended the Pharisees. Back in Luke 11, one of them, act, the experts in the law said to him, he says, teacher, when you say these things, you insult us. It's like, Jesus, like, you're, you're hurting us in what you're saying. This is insulting to us. And Jesus replied, woe to you because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry and you yourself will not lift a finger to help them. You see, there's something that made Jesus uh, angry. In fact, I would say a righteous type of angry. And that was when people got in the way. The reason that, that Jesus was so harsh on these Pharisees is because what he's saying, he's saying, my message is so simple. To come back to God is so simple. I said last week, all we have to do is come home. And the Father is there with open arms. There's nothing else. But, but we want to make it so complicated. And when you say things like, man, the law is done away with, it's, it's all about love. Now, this makes Christians very uncomfortable. This makes religious people very uncomfortable because they say, Pastor, what about the process of sanctification? And you guys are like, what does sanctification mean? 
How can we act the way that we're supposed to act if there's no more law, if, if there's just love? Friends, the Bible tells us that when we accept Jesus into our lives as our Lord and our Savior, he will change us from the inside out. He will make you into a new creation. He will give you that heart. He'll turn that heart of stone into a heart that's able to love. And, and it's, it's, so, it's so easy. You don't need rules to do that. You don't need laws to do that. You just need Jesus. He will change you. He will mold you into the person that you were called to be. And so if there's one thing that makes God angry, it's when people get in the way. I've done it before. I've gotten in the way. I'm sure some of you guys have gotten in the way before. Jesus says, woe to you. He's like, because you're making this harder than it has to be. You load them down with burdens they cannot carry. Friends, I want to say this. In our church, the way that we are going to reach people, the way that we are going to grow and we're going to share this message of who Jesus is, it begins with every single one of you in this room. And here's the beautiful part, because I don't know if you guys are anything like me, but a lot of times I put a lot of pressure on myself. And I say, man, i got to preach good. i, I, I got to do this. i, I got to do this. i got to do that. Otherwise, people won't come to God. The good news about Jesus is that his love is so welcoming, his love is so open, he's so accepting that all we have to do is get out of the way. Just get out of the way. To the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, Jesus was saying, just get out of the way. Friends, all you have to do in this room to change someone's life, and I've said this to my team all summer, the power of an invitation just inviting someone to come here. If you're nervous to share about Jesus, you don't have to. All you have to do is invite him here because we have a promise at Kingdom Church that we are going to preach Jesus. We're going to preach his character. We're going to preach about who he is and what he has done for us. And I promise I'm going to get out of the way. I'll get out of the way if I have to. I just want to point people to him, to a love that is so reckless. Friends, every, come on. Every single one of you in this room, Jesus loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And there's nothing that you have to do. You don't got to wash your hands. You don't have to change your clothes. You just have to come home. And Jesus does the rest. That's beautiful. That's irresistible. And that's the message that we want to move forward, to bring forward as a church. So I wonder right now if you guys could all just, just stand, me, stand with me second before we sing we just want to give everyone the opportunity to respond to the love of the father to respond to who Jesus is so if everyone in this room could just close your eyes and bow your heads we don't do this to embarrass you we don't do this to single anyone out we just don't want anyone to leave this place without first having the opportunity to accept Jesus as their savior and so every single person in this room who has accepted Jesus as their Savior, they're praying for you right now. They're praying for you. But we want to give you the opportunity to respond to the goodness of who God is. So when I count to three, I just want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray in a second. And that prayer is just a prayer of welcoming, saying, welcome home. Welcome home. If you're saying, Harrison, I want you to include me in that prayer. I want to give my life 
to Jesus, I encourage you on the count of three just to raise your hand. It doesn't have to be long. I just want to see you. I'll just give you the opportunity. Everyone in this room is praying. Every single person in this room, we're going to pray all together, and this prayer is all inclusive. Uh, So if you guys could just repeat after me, it's super simple. Dear Jesus, I need you, I need you, I need you. I give you my all. I give you my wins, and I give you my sins. God, I pray make me into a new creation and I give my life to you amen amen can we just clap our hands to every single person that made that decision this morning amen Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you would like to join us in person or have any questions about our church, head over to kingdomchurch.ca and you will find everything that you need. We'll see you soon.